God, we just thank you for the ways that you make for us, God. We just give this morning to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Well, good morning, Shiloh. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jill Hires, and I'm a small group leader here at Shiloh, and I'm very excited to be bringing the message this morning. Now, I have to tell you, this is a much different vibe in here than the last time I brought a message to Shiloh. That's because last time it was me, Pastor Greg, and just a couple other people in here in the sanctuary. Uh, We recorded the message on a Saturday to be shown on a Sunday morning because it was in 2020 when our church, like most of the world, was still remote. Now, I think you can all agree with me that 2020 was probably the strangest year that we've had on file so far. I mean, we were thrown into this global pandemic. There were reports of murder hornets that were on the loose coming to get us. And it was actually around this time, too, that my husband, Ben, had his identity stolen. It's true. Go ahead and watch this commercial with me. Building a better bank starts with looking at something old and saying, really? So Capital One is building something completely new. Capital One Cafes. Inviting places with people here to help you, not sell you. And savings and checking accounts with no fees or minimums, because that's how it should be. You can open one from right here or anywhere in five minutes. Seriously, five minutes. This is Banking Reimagined. What's in your wallet? So that's not really my husband, Ben, and he didn't have his identity stolen. But if you go ahead and put up this side-by-side comparison of my husband and the actor, Jeremy Brandt, you can start to see there are some similarities. I can't tell you how many people, after these series of commercials came out, they told us in person or texted us, you know, when did your husband quit his job and start working for Capital One? Or they would be like, Ben, dude, you have a doppelganger on TV. And even as I was putting together this PowerPoint, my daughter Emily was leaning over my shoulder. She was like, hey, that guy looks just like dad. And I mean, there are some similarities between them. I mean, they're both tall, they're both lean, they have the beards, but I think you can all agree with me. My husband, Ben, is way hotter than that actor guy. (laughs) Like, we are talking smoking fire emoji hot, right? (laughs) Now, I wasn't sure if you could talk about your husband's hotness up here, but a couple of weeks ago, Kevin was up here preaching, and he did call his wife babe at least like half a dozen times. So I do feel like I'm safe to be saying this. So, But uh, now to pull it back to all seriousness, you know, my husband Ben may not have had his identity stolen for a credit card commercial, but each and every one of us here today, we do have an enemy who is constantly trying to steal our identities. And that leads to today's message title, which is Identity Theft. Now, who exactly is trying to steal our identities? Well, in the Bible, in John 10.10, it says that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. So we'll talk more about this verse and about that thief a little later on, but I think it's important to know what our identities are so we can know how and why this thief is trying to steal them. So when I need to know what a word means, I naturally turn to the dictionary. So according to Webster's, the definition of identity, what makes us who we are, is defined as the fact of being what or who a person or thing is. Well, that sheds a lot of light on that. So your identity, who you are, is being who you are. 
Thanks a lot, Webster, right? Thanks for nothing. That's not the most helpful definition ever. So we need to find another source to help us understand what our identities are. So if you think to those Capital One commercials, they always end with the tagline, what's in your wallet? So today we're going to play a little game called what's in Jill's wallet. And so we are going to use the items in my wallet to figure out what our identities mean, to figure out what defines us. And so let's go ahead and we'll dive right in. So this first item that I'm going to show you on the PowerPoint, it isn't in my wallet anymore. I have a much newer version in there now. But I was recently going through my lockbox to look through some documents, and I found this gem. And I was like, okay, this is too funny not to share with everybody. So if you want to go ahead and put that picture up. So this is my very first driver's license. So this is 16-year-old Jill a long time ago. She's rocking the thick bangs that were in style back then. And you can tell she's just so excited to be hitting the road and driving for the first time with a license. Um, so on our driver's license, it gives away information like our name. It talks about our date of birth, which tells our age. It goes over um, where you live. Um, it goes over some physical attributes like your um, eye color, your, um, your height. Um, usually nowadays they say weight. That last one thankfully did not. Um, but, you know, I think we can conclude from looking at a driver's license that our identities include our gender, our age, where we live, and then some of the physical attributes that define us. So then the next item in my wallet that I'm going to show you is my work badge ID. So as you can see, the trend continues. I take extremely flattering ID photos. You can agree with me, right? Um, so this is my work badge from the Elliott. I've been with the Elliott Health System as a pharmacist for over 15 years now, and I love my job. I get to work with elderly people to help them manage their medications. And my career is definitely the, the, something that defines who I am. So then the next item in my wallet is a picture of my family. So this was taken on a re recent trip to Maine um, with one of those Instax cameras that a friend of ours had up there. And part of my smile in this picture is because I love my family. They're my favorite people to spend time with. But then the other part is because we had just gone whitewater rafting, and I was just so thankful to still be alive because I went into that trip thinking for sure that I was going to die on that river. So this was definitely a smile of just gratitude for being alive still. Uh, but being a wife to Ben and being a mom to my son Joshua and my daughter Emily, you know, that's a huge part of who I am, a huge part of my identity. So this next item that I'm going to show you, um, it's actually a little too big to fit in my wallet, but I do keep it with my purse at all times, in my purse at all times. And that's a set of scripture cards that my friend Carrie made for me a really long time ago. And so these scripture cards are a huge reminder that I have a spiritual identity, and they're also a reminder of my identity as both a friend and a sister in Christ to other Christians. And then next, I have some miscellaneous items for you. I have my um, library card. I have my boater's license. There's a Chuck E. Cheese play plaps. And so um, this is something that kind of shows the different things that I like to do. So I'm someone who loves to read a good book. I love spending time at the lake. And I love losing to my kids at skee-ball uh, because they can now legitimately beat me in pretty much every single Chuck E. Cheese game there is, except for the piano game. I actually hold the record in the piano game at the Manchester Chuck E. Cheese, just to say, you know. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, they destroy me in every other game there. Um, so these items, though, they represent the different hobbies, the likes, the talents that I have in my life. 
And then for this last picture I'm going to show you, um, this is just a generic picture of money. I don't carry much cash with me anymore, so we'll title this one What's Not in Jill's Wallet. Um, but, you know, our financial status um, is something that can also be used to define us, who we are, and our identities. So to summarize, and these are in no order of importance, our identities, the things that help to define who we are, include our gender, our age, where you live, your physical attributes, your career, your family, your spirituality, your friends, hobbies, likes, talents, and then your financial status. Now, these are just some of the things that can define us. This is not an all-inclusive list. Um, But the point that I want to make this morning is I think that it can be very easy to fall into the trap of defining our self-worth on how we're performing in these different aspects of our identity. So, for example, if you are a mom and your kids are getting along, they just won camper of the week, you feel really good about yourself in the mom category. Or if you check your bank balance and, you know, you have the highest balance you've ever had in your life, you feel really good and secure about your financial status. Or if you just ran a marathon, not me, this is definitely hypothetical, Uh, you just ran a marathon, you're in the best shape of your life, you feel really good about yourself in that physical attributes category. Well, the problem with this line of thinking is that a lot of the things that I mentioned this morning, those are things that are temporary. Those are things that can easily be changed. And because they're so transient, it's especially easy for the enemy to come and attack us and attack our self-worth in those different areas. And so if you remember, we heard earlier from John 10.10 that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. So that thief is Satan. He's God's enemy, and he's our enemy too. And one of the ways that he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy is against who you are and how you feel about yourself. Satan will take any and every chance to make you feel less than and the least of. So I actually want to read that one more time. Satan will take any and every chance to make you feel less than and least of. So how does he accomplish this? How does the enemy come in and make us feel less than or least of? Well, I'm going to share a couple of examples from my own life. And that first category has to do with physical attributes. So my body perception is something that I've struggled with off and on for years. And it actually goes back to my childhood. I was very thin as a child. And so kids at school actually used to tease me. They would call me tweet tweet because I had skinny bird legs. Um, And so being thin, that hasn't really been a problem, especially since having two kids. But it really doesn't matter what size I am. It's about how I'm perceiving myself when I look in the mirror. So when I step on the scale, you know, there's a number that I like to see that makes me feel good about myself, and then there are other numbers that I see that don't make me feel very good about myself, and I've let the enemy come in and use that against me. So this next picture is a picture of my son Joshua. So this is when he got his Star Wars land speeder. This was years ago when Toys R Us was closing down and when um, everything was clearance. So we got this for Joshua. And as an avid Star Wars fan, for, since I was the age of 10, I was so excited to ride in this thing and pretend that I was soaring across the deserts of Tatooine with my hero Luke Skywalker But the problem was this thing has a weight limit, and I will tell you that I was definitely not at that weight limit, but I was so determined to ride in this magical land speeder that I was like, that's it. I'm just going to be really strict. I'm going to get myself to this weight. Well, I put so much pressure on myself that instead of losing the weight that I needed to ride in this thing, I actually instead went the opposite direction, gained the weight I was supposed to lose, and then I was even further away from my goal. And as you can imagine, that didn't make me feel very good about myself. 
You see, because my perception of my body is something that the enemy has used to steal and kill not only my self-worth, but also my joy. And so that something else that can define us is our careers. And so as I mentioned, I'm a pharmacist with the Elliott. I've been with them for over 15 years now. And I've spent the majority of my time um, at our senior center working with the elderly, which I love. Um, I've had some good successes there. And more importantly than that, I feel like I've helped a lot of people there in my job. And so that's something that's important to me and something that naturally makes me feel good about myself and about my job. Well, I was notified a few months ago that somebody had actually filed a complaint against me with the Board of Pharmacy. And so I can tell you not many, I can't tell you too many details. I can tell you that the complaint's not legitimate. I've never met with this person, never made recommendations for their medications. Um, Even though I can't tell you about the complaint, what I can tell you is that it has definitely rocked my world and my confidence. I've had trouble sleeping because of it. I've spent a lot of time worrying about it. Because the thing is, it doesn't matter if a complaint is legitimate or not. Um, Once it's filed against you, it's just on your record, and then you get to wait a lovely three to 12 months to hear back from the Board of Pharmacy just to see if there's going to be any sort of disciplinary action. And so I can tell you that the enemy has come in, and he has used this complaint situation in my career to steal my peace and to steal my confidence. So those are a couple of examples from my life. So I'd like you to stop and think this morning, you know, what are some areas of your identity that has been under attack lately? You know, how has the enemy been stealing your joy or leading you into a comparison trap or making you feel less than or the least of? You know, maybe you're a mom like me, but instead of getting along, your kids are fighting every day and every night in your living room, it's like there's a live WWE match going on. Um, And then, you know, you finally get those crazy kids to bed and then you're scrolling on Instagram and your day-to-day just doesn't match up with all of those perfect accounts that you're following. And you can start to feel inadequate about yourself as a mom. Or maybe, you know, instead of having a high bank balance, your 401k in these recent times has dwindled down to a 301k, and that financial security that you once felt, it just isn't there anymore. Or instead of running marathons, you know, your body's been under attack lately. You're going through a physical struggle, and, you know, you can't do the same things that you used to do, and that's something that has you extremely discouraged. See, these parts of our identities that we've talked about today, I mean, they're part of who we are. They're important. But they can't be the end-all, be-all in how we feel about ourselves because, again, they're something that change. There's things that change. Um, you know, they're things that can be taken away. Well, not all of them. And one of those things that can't change or be taken away is our spiritual identity. So the good news is that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, um, just like Pastor Greg prayed this morning during communion, When we accept him as the Lord of our lives, the Bible promises us that we actually get a brand new identity. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So when we are in Christ, we have this brand new identity. And this identity isn't based on who we are or what we've done. This identity is based on who Jesus is It's based on what he did for us on the cross and all of his promises that he's made to us in his word. And these are things that can't be taken away from us because these are eternal truths. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 13.8 that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because Jesus doesn't change, our identity in him doesn't change either. 
So we're going to talk this morning about eight different aspects of our spiritual identity. We're going to go through them rather quickly here. Um, I do have to warn you, in case you haven't figured this out yet, I'm somebody that gets very excited about things. And so um, I'm that person that when I'm proofreading an email or a text, I actually have to remove a lot of the exclamation points because I want the people receiving them to know that I'm a sane person. Um, so in this PowerPoint today, though, there's going to be some bolding and, and there's going to be some exclamation points. And that's because our identity in Christ is something that we can get really excited about. So let's go ahead and start with, in Christ, you are God's child. So 1 John 1.12 says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And Ephesians 1.5 says that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So here today, you are are God's child, and you have actually been adopted into his family. And so my husband, Ben, and I, and our two kids, we've been trying to adopt now for quite some time. Um, So we've been active since March, working with a consultant firm, and um, we've had a lot of no's so far, um, you know, or as our consultant calls them, they're not yet's, but they do feel a lot like no's in the moment. Um, But, you know, as we are waiting for our yes, as we're waiting for that match with a baby, I can tell you that God has taught Ben and I so much about this concept of spiritual adoption You know, once we do get that match and we do have that baby, we are promising to love that child unconditionally no matter what. They are part of the hires family, and they are going to be loved and cherished. And that's exactly how it is when we are adopted and taken into God's family. You are God's child. And in Christ, you are also forgiven. Ephesians 1.7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So as Pastor Greg talked earlier, Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of all the wrong choices that you've made and all the wrong choices that you're going to make. And I think it's really important today that we remind ourselves that we can't out-sin a forgiving God. His word promises us that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and he is just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And that leads to this next concept, which is, in Christ, you are free. John 8.36 says, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Or other versions of that verse say you are free indeed. So this morning, Shiloh, you are free from guilt. You are free from shame. You are free from comparing yourself to other people. You are free from feeling badly about yourselves and the different aspects of your identity that we talked about today. And I have to say that a lot of times as Christians, I don't feel like we live out that freedom that we have in Christ. I don't feel like we live as truly free people Um, And I think it's time for us to start living that way. Because in Christ, you are also loved. Colossians 3.12 says that God chose you to be the holy people that he loves. And 1 John 4.16 says, so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. So my favorite children's Bible is the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's fantastic if you've never read it. It's for adults too. And that Bible describes God's love as never stopping, never ending, unbreaking, always and forever love. And that's the kind of love that you have from your Savior, from the creator of the universe. That love is so powerful and so amazing that John 3.16 tells us that God sent his only son for us because of that great love. Which leads to the fact that in Christ, you are chosen Ephesians 1.4 says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy 
and without fault in his eyes. So as I was growing up, as you can imagine, I wasn't the first person chosen in PE class to be on a team. I was usually one of the last, and that's okay. But it's a totally different story with God. The Bible tells us that before God even made the world, that he had a plan for your life and that he chose you. And the Bible is full of so many stories of people that were chosen, going back to the Old Testament like Noah and David and Daniel, and then in the New Testament, people like John and Peter and Paul. We've all been chosen here to do good works that only we can accomplish through God and through his power. And one of the ways we're able to do that is because in Christ, we are united with Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. So if you're married, you know how important it is to be united with your spouse so that you can work as effectively as you can as a team. Well, when you ask Jesus to be your savior, you are instantly on a team with God. You are instantly united with him. And I can tell you, God is the best teammate that you could ever ask for. And in Christ, you are lacking nothing. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So when my husband proofread this message, he pointed out the fact that lacking nothing, it's actually a double negative. So if that annoys you like it annoyed him, then instead of thinking of lacking nothing, you can think of it as in Christ, you have everything you need. And that's the amazing thing about God. Not only does he choose us and call us for a great purpose, but then he also equips us to be able to carry out those good works. So you have everything you need when you're in Christ. And finally, when you are in Christ, you are a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3, 20 through 21 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like, they will be like his glorious body. So I think, Shiloh, it's really important for us to remember that this place where we are right now It's not our permanent home. You know, we were made for more than what this world has to offer. And I think that's why sometimes life here can seem dissatisfying or seem like it's not fulfilling us. And um, Christian author Gretchen Saffles, in her book, The Well-Watered Woman, she puts it this way. She says that the more years I've lived on earth, the more I'm convinced that there's no perfect someday. The someday that we hope for is eternity spent with him, with Jesus, Looking to eternity spurs us on to live more faithfully and fully today. So the enemy may try his best to come in to steal your identity in these different areas of your spiritual identity, but the good news is he cannot win. And that's because these are eternal truths that do not change, no matter what else in your life is changing, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how you're performing in the other aspects of your identity, You can trust 100% that you are God's child, you are forgiven, you are free, you are loved, you are chosen, you are united with Christ, you're lacking nothing, or you have everything you need, and you are a citizen of heaven. So I'd like to go back to that Capital One slogan one more time, what's in your wallet? So you got to see all the things that are in my physical wallet, but each and every one of us here today has a spiritual wallet as well. And so we need to have the right tools in our spiritual wallet in order to stand up to the enemy's attempts at identity theft. And so to know what we need, we're going to look at Ephesians 6, and that's the chapter that has to do with the armor of God. 
Um, So I'm actually going to only read verses 14 through 17, but it actually starts in verse 10 if you want to look at it yourself after this. So in Ephesians 6, 14, it says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So in order to protect ourselves from spiritual identity theft, we need to have these items of truth, righteousness, peace, faith, um, salvation, and the word of God. So how do we get these things in our lives? You know, what do we need in our spiritual wallets? Well, I think there are three main things that we need. And the first one is that we need the word of God in our lives. So if you go back to that, those verses in Ephesians 6, the word of God is the only offensive weapon that's mentioned there. It's the sword. And so we need to use God's word as a weapon to keep our identities. And so the more that we can memorize scripture, the more that we can hide God's word in our heart, the deeper and deeper who we are in Christ starts to sink into our being. And you can use scripture cards to accomplish this, like the ones that I showed earlier. Or if you're more of a technology person like my husband, download the Bible app on your phone. You can use it to do a daily reading plan. It can actually send verse notifications to your phone every day. Um, These are different things that we can be using to keep our identities in Christ when we dig ourselves into God's word and stand firm in that. And so the next thing is prayer. We have this little kid's book that defines prayer as simply just talking and listening to God. And so I'm going to continue on in Ephesians 6 and read the next couple of verses. And it says that, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So we can talk to God about anything at any time. And one of the cool things is that we can actually talk God's words back to him. And so Josh Locke introduced all of us to this whole concept of God, your word says. And essentially all that is, is taking verses in the Bible and praying them back to God. And if you've never done this before, I highly recommend it. You can even start with some of the verses we went over today. You could say something like, you know, God, thank you for adopting me into your family. Your word says that I'm your child and that you love me as part of your holy people. You know, prayer is an important way for us to stay connected with God so that we can stand firm in our identities in him. And the last aspect that we need in our spiritual wallet to prevent identity theft is Christian community. And so I can't stress enough that we need to be walking through life with other believers, with other Christians who believe what we do, because we weren't made to go through this life alone. Um, You know, we need Christians by our side to encourage us and support us, not only in the bad times, but also in the good times too. And here at Shiloh, one of the best ways to be in Christian community is through our small group ministry. And so our fall session of small groups is going to be starting up again on September 18th, and we'll have announcements and signups leading up to that. But if you've never done a small group before, I'd really encourage you to give it a try this time around. So we host a small group in our family. It's families with kids. And I can tell you that our small group, um, several of them are here today. Our small group has become our second family over the years. You know, they're the people that we turn to. Um, They've supported us through some really challenging times. And we've had the absolute privilege and blessing to be able to support them as well. And, you know, life is just, um, it's easier to manage when you have other Christians there encouraging you and cheering you on. And so to summarize, in our spiritual wallets to prevent identity theft, we need to be spending time in the word of God, spending time in prayer, and spending time with other Christians. So as we close today, I want to ask you, what's in your wallet? 
You know, are you hiding God's word in your heart? Are you spending time in prayer or spending time with other Christians? And if not, what's something that you can change going forward here today? Maybe it is as simple as downloading the Bible app on your phone or come September joining a small group. And if you're here today and you're someone who, like me at many times in my life, if you're struggling with different aspects of your identity, if you've really let the enemy into different areas of your life where he's made you feel the less than or the least of, I'd really encourage you to make a stake in the ground today. You know, put that there and claim this is the day where you're taking your identity back. You know, cling to who you truly are when you are made new in Christ. These are eternal truths that do not change. So if the enemy starts to attack you, you can just say, oh no, not today. Like, in Christ, I am God's child. I am forgiven. I am free. I am loved. I am chosen. I'm united with Christ. I'm lacking nothing. And I am a citizen of heaven. So I'm going to ask you to stand up if you can with me, and we're going to close in prayer. And as we close in prayer, if you are someone who's here today who is struggling, I'd just like to pray this prayer for you. You can just stay where you are. Um, If you want, you can raise your hands forward or keep them folded, whatever you're comfortable with. And I just want to pray that you would truly have that freedom that comes from knowing Christ, Lord. And so let's go ahead and let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you, God, are unchanging. Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. And we just thank you that no matter what is going on in our lives, no matter how we're performing in different aspects of our identity, God, that we have these eternal truths that we can cling to, Lord. And so I just pray today, if there is anyone here today who's struggling, if they're struggling with how they're performing as a mom or a dad or as a spouse or if they're being physically attacked in their body, Lord, or, you know, financially attacked, whatever these attacks may be, Lord, I just pray that you would help them to know that their worth comes from you and who they are in you, God, that you've chose them, you love them, God, that that they are part of your holy people that you love, Lord, and that you have great plans and a great purpose for their life, God. And so we just claim, God, the freedom that comes from you today. We just say, Satan, not anymore, not today, not tomorrow, not ever. You are not going to steal our identities from us anymore because we know that we are made new in Christ. We have this new identity, and that identity isn't going anywhere. It is not changing. And Lord, we thank you that we are citizens of heaven, Lord. We thank you that someday we are going to be with you in all of your glory. But for the time being, Lord, I just pray that as we walk out this life with you, that you would just help us to live this life as fully and as faithfully as we can, God. And we just give this morning to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you're somebody who's here today and you would like more prayer for anything, please feel free to come on up. We would love to pray with you. Otherwise, enjoy this absolutely gorgeous August Sunday. Take care.